ಶ್ರೀಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯಭವ ನಿತ್ಯಾನಂದ ಶ್ರೀ ಅದ್ವೈತಗ ರಾಧರ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸಾದಿ ಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ ದಿಸ್ ಭಗವದ್ ಗೀತಾ ಇಸ್ ದಿ ಸಮರಿ ಅಂಡ್ ಕನ್ಕ್ಲೂಷನ್ ಅಬೌ ದಿ ಉಪನಿಷದ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ವಿಚ್ ದ ಸುಪ್ರೀಂ ಪರ್ಸನಾಲಿಟಿ ಆಫ್ ಗಾಡ್ ಹೆಡ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಇಸ್ ಡಿಸ್ಕ್ರೈಬಿಂಗ್ ಹಿಮ್ಸೆಲ್ಫ್ ಸೊ ದ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ಮೆಂಟ್ ಹಿ ಇಸ್ ಮೇಡ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಬೀನ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪ್ಲೈನ್ ಬೈ ಕ್ವೋಟಿಂಗ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದಿ ಉಪನಿಷದ್ಸ್ ಹೌ God is so great he is doing everything by his energies. God doesn't have to work to achieve anything. In uh, Greek mythology there is a picture of Atlas holding the earth planet with great endeavor bending over. Actually God he sustains all the planetary systems by his energies. But he doesn't become exhausted by such activities. Not like an ordinary person who works hard for a few days and then needs a, a day of rest. Just like it is said, God created the world in six days, then he was exhausted, so he had to take a break. So that may be true for a materialistic person. But actually God, he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't, and even what he does, he doesn't become exhausted by doing that. He does so many things, but he doesn't have to work to do anything. Simply by his desire, everything is affected. And exertion of his powers doesn't deplete his potency. Just like someone may be very strong and healthy, and they may be able to run for 20 miles, 20 kilometers non-stop. But then after that they'll need, they'll, they'll feel that, well, I ran to, they'll feel their body is aching. Their energy will be depleted. They need to eat something or take some juice or something to get some energy back. But God, he doesn't have to eat vitamin tablets or do exercises or anything. He's complete in himself. He doesn't derive energy from any other source. He is himself the source of all energies. And his energies never become depleted. He can at will exhibit any number of potencies without feeling any exhaustion or depletion. An example is given when Lord Brahma stole the calves and cows of Krishna. So the calves and boyhood, the, boyhood, the boyfriends of Krishna. So Krishna immediately expanded himself into the forms of the calves and cowherd boys. Now Krishna, he had unlimited numbers of friends and calves. But Krishna immediately expanded himself into the forms of all these uh, boys and calves and went on playing as usual. He didn't feel depleted by expanding himself into different forms. Sometimes yogis, they can expand themselves into different forms also. They can exhibit extraordinary mystic powers. But to get such mystic powers, they have to perform severe austerities. And when they exhibit their mystic powers, they use up the stock of power which they have gained by their austerities. so that after some time their mystic power goes away unless they again go on performing more and more austerity. So sometimes people misunderstand Krishna to be some kind of mystic yogi. Just like before the battle of Kurukshetra, Krishna came to the court of Dhrishrashtra, trying to make a peace formula. But the Kauravas were not interested to accept it. They simply insulted Krishna. So Krishna at that time showed his universal form just to show, look, I'm God, you don't have a chance because I'm on the other side. At that time he had not committed himself to the side of the Pandavas, but it was understood that Krishna is always on the side of the Pandavas. Jayastu pandu putranam yesham pakshe janardana The Pandavas are always certain to be too successful because Krishna is on their side. So when Duryodhana saw this exhibition of the universal form by Krishna, he said, ah, it's just some mystic show, just some tricks, that's all. But actually, Krishna is not just a mystic. Sometimes people say, oh, he was a great yogi or a great philosopher or a great politician. So that's true, 
But he's not just a great yogi, but he is the greatest of all yogis. He is Yogeshwar. Uh, Yogeshwar means the master of mystics. So just to make the matter very clear, elsewhere in the Bhagavatam, Krishna is called Yogeshwarishwar. He is the master of all masters of mysticism. Yogeshwarishwar. Here, Tam Ishwaranam Paramam. He is the greatest of all controllers. There are many controllers. But the absolute controller is Krishna. What does this mean, he is the absolute controller? This means that all other controllers, they depend on some external source for their power. Ultimately, everyone depends on Krishna for power. Just like in Russia now, there was the elections. So all the politicians are coming to the people and begging, please vote for me. They derive their power from the votes of the people. And they may be a big prime minister today, but if the votes go against them, then tomorrow they're nothing. So whatever power we get, that we should know is dependent on some external source. Just like Hiranyakashipu was extremely proud of his power which he had got by performing severe austerities and receiving boons from Brahma. Mm. And he felt as if he was God. Everyone is afraid of me. Everyone does whatever does whatever I say. All the enjoyable objects within the universe are at my disposal. But Prahlad defied him. Indra, Chandra, Bayu, they did not dare to defy Hiranyakashipu. But Prahlad defied him. He didn't uh, attack him. He just refused to do what he said. He simply had a non-cooperation program. Hiranyakashipu tried to force him. You must do what I said. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. He went on chanting. He didn't care for Hiranyakashipu. And Hiranyakashipu tried to force him, but he could not force him. He became extremely frustrated. So in the end, he asked Prahlad, what is the source of your power that you can dare to defy me? Not only do you dare to defy me, but there's nothing I can do to stop you defying me. I got my power only after performing millions of years years of austerities, thousands of years of austerity. But you didn't do anything. You're just a young boy. So practically, by asking Pallad Maharaj, what is the source of your power? Practically, he admitted defeat. Practically, he admitted, yes, you have more power than me, because I have to come to you now to ask, what is the source of your power? So Pallad said, my dear father, the source of my power and the source of yours is the same. The only difference is that I admit, I recognize what is the source of my power, and you don't. The source of my power, the source of your power, the source of everybody's power, the source of everything is Lord Vishnu. Just exactly what Hiranyakashipu didn't want to hear. But actually, it's a fact. This is the difference between a demon and a, de- and a devotee. Simply, the demon thinks, I'm doing everything by myself. I'm so great. I'm so powerful. I have so many plans. We will control nature. We will understand the workings of the human mind by psychological, psychiatric analysis. We don't need to believe in God. By our own intelligence, we'll adjust everything. So these are all demoniac thoughts. A devotee's attitude to life is completely different. He simply thinks how to satisfy Krishna, Krishna, knowing that Krishna is the absolute truth. Just as all powers reside in him, everything is dependent upon him. Still, he gives us little independence. That you can either work in my service or you can do whatever nonsense you want. That much independence he gives us. And he himself comes to show us how we should act. How should we use our independence? He comes to this world and shows us by taking different incarnations. Now, he doesn't have to do anything. That's already discussed. He's already got everything. What does he need to do? Why are people working hard? You'll find even from very early morning, you can hear the trucks moving on the road here. Why are they doing this? Why do people go into the dark, smelly mines? Great danger. Why do they engage in business activities? Why do they do anything? Because they've got something to gain. They need to get something. They need to get money. So they can get food and other necessities. 
Krishna doesn't have to work to get anything. He doesn't have to go to a factory and then on the weekend he can be God. That's what the karmis are trying to do. On the weekend I'll be God. You see people all day they work miserably in their factory. Then they come home and kick the dog and they think, oh, I showed my power. But Krishna doesn't have to kick any dog to show that he's God. He doesn't have to even kick the demons. But he does just to keep the order within the universe. He's not under any obligation to anybody to do anything. Some people say, well, I think God should be like this, or I think God should be like that. Well, I don't think it's very good that uh, God, he's supposed to be God, and he's dancing with the gopis. Well, you may not think it's very good, but you're not God. Krishna is God. And he can do whatever he likes, because he's God. And there's nothing wrong in that. And if you think there's something wrong, there's something wrong with you. Because Krishna is absolute, Krishna is God, he is the standard. Uh, we all simply have to get in line with God. So this point to be understood, God has no work to do, still he performs activities. Ultimately his activities are for his own pleasure. As Bhaktisthan Sarasaratako has described, he is a transcendental autocrat. This uh, term autocrat we are not very fond of. We generally think of a tyrant. Who was that? Queen, Queen Catherine of Russia, she said so. She said that, uh, yeah, I am the queen and is, uh, it is my job to, as the queen I will do whatever I like. And God's duty is to forgive me for all my sins. So this kind of autocrat is not very popular. What happened in Russia, they all ended up getting cut, in, getting cut into pieces. In Russia, in France, in so many places. But Krishna is a transcendental autocrat. Means whatever he does is for the good of everybody. He's dancing with the gopis. Everything is good. It has to be understood properly, not judged by our standard. So everything God does, that is for his, ultimately for his own pleasure. But he also acts in a way to guide the world. Not that he's obliged to, but he does out of his causeless mercy. Just like when Krishna came to this world, he acted as an ideal householder. Uh, he demonstrated his uh, love for his devotees, his protection of his devotees. He was always diligent to uh, offer respects to elderly people. Even though he is to be offered respects to by everybody, he would offer respects to respectable people according to his apparent situation in Varnashram Dharma. So he would bow down to Yudhishthira Maharaj. He would worship the Brahmanas. Even though they knew he was God, still, usually they would accept such respects just to uh, maintain the example that Krishna was showing. Sometimes it became difficult for devotees to know exactly what to do. Just like Devaki and Vasudev, they wanted to embrace Krishna and Balaram, but they were thinking, well, as our sons, but then they were thinking, well, actually they're God. How can we, how can we embrace them with, with parental love? Not Devaki, Devaki. So then Krishna, seeing their predicament, covered them with his Yogamaya potency, and they forgot he was, he was God, and they embraced him. We also see in the prayers of Queen Kunti, that uh, she made her prayers to Krishna. Nama Pankajana Bhaya, Nama Pankajamalene, Nama Pankajanitraya, Namaste Pankajamraya. She said, I offer my obeisances to Krishna, who has lotus navel, from whose navel the lotus flower from which the universe has come into existence has come, who is decorated with a garland of lotuses, whose eyes are as beautiful as the lotus, and whose feet are as soft as the lotus. So she started offering obeisances from the navel, then went to the chest, then the head, and finally the feet. Actually, obeisances are offered from the feet first, and then up. But then on the other hand, she shouldn't, in, in one, she shouldn't be offering obeisances to Krishna, because Krishna is her nephew. But then she should be offering, because he's the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Balance. So to balance this, she offered obeisances starting 
not from the feet, but from the navel. So in this way, everything is adjusted in Krishna's lila. Here, Krishna is making the point that he has no work to do, still he does work just to teach others. So when we see Krishna doing something, we should know that he's not obliged to do it. Not The karma Mimamsa philosophers say that if we do good work, then God is obliged to give us a good result. It's not necessarily true. We see Nriga Maharaj, he performed very so many pious activities, unprecedented in the history of the world, and he got a hellish position due to one small mistake. Which Maharaj? Nriga Maharaj. Nega. Yeah. We also see that sometimes people have been very sinful, they have been delivered by Krishna, just immediately wiping out all their sinful reactions. So Krishna is independent, he's not obliged to award the results of pious activities. Generally he does. But if you think he is obliged to, then your pious activities become nullified by your offensive attitude. That is stated in the Srimad Bhagavatam, that even if you perform all pious activities, but you don't worship Krishna, then you go to hell. That you are performing your activities very nicely and you go to hell. So these points are to be understood. What is Krishna's place within the universe? Sometimes people say, well, I'm trying to find out who I am. I'm trying to find my place within the universe. Our place within the universe is very easy to understand. And that is at the lotus feet of Krishna. The really important person to understand is Krishna. Self-realization comes automatically when we understand the Supreme Self, who is Krishna. Just understand Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I am His servant. That is self-realization. No need for big, big discussions. Of course, we will discuss on and on and on about Krishna. But the conclusion is already reached. It's not that we're just going on discussing, 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 but we don't know the conclusion. We know the conclusion. That is already decided by all knowers of the truth. What is that? Svishtasya suktasya ca buddhidatiyo avichutartar kavibhi nirupita yautama shloka gunarnavarnanam nirupita is already decided. Idanghi pungsas tapasa shutasya svishtasya sukta Whatever you may be doing, whether it's austerities, academic activities, whether you're studying the Vedas, whatever you're doing, the conclusion is that everything should be dedicated into the glorification of the Supreme Glorious Person. So we are studying Bhagavad Gita as it is, Srimad Bhagavatam, simply to understand Krishna. We're not arguing with Krishna. That, no, I don't believe that Krishna is God. Then you become like Shishupa who in the presence of so many great people who accepted Krishna as the supreme worshipable person, he protested. So if we simply understand that all the great sages, they accept Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead, so it's intelligent for me to also accept that. Then when we study the scriptures with this already understood, Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, then simply our appreciation of Krishna will increase and increase and increase. So here we're discussing a very subtle point Krishna is explaining that God works though he has no work to do. And his work, it's not really work in the same way that we work. Because he has nothing to attain. His work is play. Lila means play or pastime. He's taking his cows to the forest. It's not work, it's play. The nature of the spiritual world is that walking is dancing. Speaking is singing. Water is just transcendental nectar. And always there is the sound of Krishna's enchanting flute. So when Krishna comes, he brings the nature of the spiritual world with him. He doesn't come under the laws of material nature. If we understand these points, then we can understand the science of God. But if we try to bring God down to our level, as so many bogus rascal demons do, saying that, well, you see, Krishna was killed by an arrow of a hunter, and so many rascal things. 
So avoiding all the nonsense talk, spoken by all the nonsense rascal people. We simply hear Shastra from self-realized persons. This is the medicine for material life. Pariksha Maharaj was appreciating the discourses of Shukadeva Goswami on the science of Krishna. He commented that those who are fed up with all the useless things of this material world, they will take great pleasure in glorifying Krishna, which is the medicine for material existence, and which is very pleasing to the mind and senses. Then who will not want to glorify Krishna? Only a person who was killing himself. So this is our medicine. This is the medicine for material existence. Of course, even in our society, sometimes there are some problems. Devotees can't get on with each other or something. So what is the medicine? The medicine is Krishna Kirtan. We should come together, chant Hare Krishna and discuss the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. But those who are not Nivritta Trishna, those who have interest in maintaining their material desires, they will imagine some other program. But we should know that everything we do brings a certain kind of result. By glorifying Krishna, we become purified. By not glorifying Krishna, we don't become purified. So Prabhupada very kindly gave us all these books and arranged that within our Krishna conscious movement there would be regular discussions of Krishna consciousness, Krishna and Krishna consciousness, so that we can understand the science of Krishna, how to act in Krishna consciousness, what is the exact process according to Guru Prampara, and glorify Krishna. How wonderful is Krishna? How Krishna is God? All powers are under his control, but he has no need to work to gain anything. This is the all-purifying process of Krishna consciousness. This is all we need to make our life successful. Hear about Krishna, glorify Krishna, associate with devotees of Krishna. In this way, spread Krishna conscious to others also. Go on with our lives in the service of Krishna. And Nacho Gao Bhakta Shange Karo Shankirtan This Ishwara Puri told uh, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Go on, dancing, chanting, performing Krishna Sankirtan. Bhakta Shange Pacha Karo Tarasarvajanan In the association devotees preach and save everybody. So very happy life, very nice life. By glorifying Krishna we become ecstatic. And if we glorify some rascal or fool, then we become again again nonsense and fool ourselves. So we should be very careful to stick to this process of glorifying Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? Mm-hmm. mentioned uh, yesterday that um, Shalabhapat asked um, how it is that um, we have chance to uh, chant Hare Krishna and Shalabhapat uh, answered that um, he has created our pious activities. Mm-hmm. Is it so that um, it is by contact with pure devotee uh, we, we have some pious activities and, and in this way we have a chance to chant Hare Krishna? Translate the question. Yeah, without, associ- without association of devotees it's not possible to become Krishna conscious. Because that verse, Rahuganaita tapasanayati in achejayaniyavapanagrihadva and how does it go? Anyway, there's the listing, there's so many things. Taking baths in holy places, studying the scriptures, so many different things you can do. And you can do so many pious activities, so many austerities, so many things, but you can't get Krishna consciousness. Unless you cover your whole body with the dust of the lotus feet of pure devotees. Hare Krishna. I could